It's only week seven of the 2023 NFL season, but already a game and a half out of first place. Is this upcoming weekend's matchup against the Arizona Cardinals a must win for the Seattle Seahawks? We'll be discussing and debating on our latest installment of Matchup Wednesday on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here for Matchup Wednesday by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or over at Athens, Greece. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. It's Matchup Wednesday. We're going to be diving into all the key matchups to watch when the Seahawks battle the Cardinals in Week 7 at Lumen Field on Sunday. Going to be a really fun episode, so let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. It's still fairly early in the season. The Seahawks will just be playing in their sixth game coming up on Sunday going into week seven, not even to the midway point of the season. And yet we're starting to see some of these division races shape up. And the Seahawks, even with the 49ers losing last week, they're still a game and a half out because they couldn't get the job done in Cincinnati. And now you get your second divisional game. The Seahawks already lost to the Rams to open the season. I think that this is absolutely a must win for the Seattle Seahawks. If they lose to this one and fall to three and three, that doesn't mean they're not going to be a playoff team, but I think you can kiss any chance of winning the NFC West goodbye. If you can't win a game, Kyler Murray is going to be back on the practice field this week, but he's not going to be playing for the Arizona Cardinals. They've got Joshua Dobbs playing QB. They've got a bunch of other injuries on the roster. Probably won't have Buda Baker back yet, even though he's practicing as well. This is a game against an inferior opponent at home that you have to hold serve. And if you don't, you don't deserve to be a playoff team if you can't beat this team. I think that's very well said, sir. Uh, I think that uh, it's not a must win from a mathematical standpoint, obviously. But still, if you were to look at all of the teams that the Seahawks have played to this point, I think that this is the team that has the least just raw talent to them. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to play poorly um, or as poorly as, say, the New York Giants did a couple of weeks ago. Um, but at the same time. Uh, this is a divisional opponent, so the game just means that much more. This is a uh, divisional opponent that's one in five uh, at this point and is playing a backup quarterback, Joshua Dobbs. And as we're going to be discussing in a little bit more detail as we go throughout the show, Corbin, this is a team that has different positional groupings that the Seahawks really should be able to take full advantage of. Um, so, yes, I think in a lot of ways, this is a must win game for the Seahawks. Um, certainly, if they have any uh, illusions of, of thinking that they are going to be competing for the NFC West crown and you know, kind of going back to that idea of the NFC West crown, as you mentioned, the San Francisco 49ers, not only did they lose that game in Cleveland, they also had some fairly significant injuries there. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, the left tackle, Trent Williams, all three potentially all pro or maybe even hard. Hall of Fame candidates when it's all said and done. All of them went down with injuries. Now, fortunately for the 49ers and 49ers fans, they all seem to be relatively minor injuries. But still, that is the one crack that I think that the uh, you know the 49ers have shown in the past is that when they've started to lose some of their best players, then they don't have the depth that is really has been, kind of come to the forefront 
for the Seahawks at this point. On the flip side, as you mentioned, Kyler Murray, of course, is coming back for the Arizona Cardinals this week. Buda Baker, former University of Washington star, um, also is coming back to the practice field. I don't expect either of those players like you um, to be back uh, in on the field against the Seahawks this weekend, but still – that is obviously news from Arizona perspective. And the Rams, of course, had some big news on their side here just a week ago, getting or excuse me, two weeks ago now, getting Cooper Cup back on the sideline. He scored, he scored his first touchdown of the 2023 season for the Rams in their victory over these same Cardinals a week ago. So, again, there's an awful lot of news shaking out all throughout the NFC West. Yeah, and that includes the Seahawks. And we know that Kobe Bryant was placed on injured reserve Shortly before kickoff in Cincinnati, they had an open roster spot. Cody Thompson getting promoted back to the 53-man roster to fill that spot. They made a few additions of the practice squad as well to replace his spot. Cody White, the receiver, coming in. And they also brought back Greg Island, which there's a reason why they are bringing in extra tackle depth. Uh, apparently, Jason Peters has got a quad issue that he's dealing with. And Jake Curran is not 100%. He injured his ankle and played through it on Sunday, struggled playing through that injury. So the Seahawks have some depth questions at that tackle position. Abraham Lucas is not going to be back this week. So all these teams in the division, the Rams had two running backs go down last week. So every team, this is what you start to see this stage of the season. We've played five, six, seven games. You start to see some players drop like flies. That's just the way that it is in this sport. You're hoping that your team can avoid your stars getting hurt. The 49ers look like they dodged several bullets in that regard. But still, they got a few guys that might miss a couple games with those injuries. And so that opens the door a little bit. And the 49ers opened the door for the Rams and the Seahawks a little bit by losing in Cleveland. And I know the Browns have a great defense, but they were without their starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Nick Chubb's out for the season. And for the Browns to upset the 49ers. That was one of the biggest upsets we've seen all season long. And that opens that door up. The Seahawks easily could have been two and a half games out of first place already this early in the season. And now they still have that one and a half game threshold. And as I was arguing, you know, it makes that loss to Cincinnati that much worse because you could be half a game out right now and really take advantage of that. But the door is open. That being said, if you lose to the Arizona Cardinals at home, which the Seahawks have done way too many times in the last decade to this particular team, I mean, Josh Rosen almost beat them a few years back in the final game of the year. They always play the Seahawks tough, but you cannot afford to lose at home to this team without their starting quarterback, without their starting running back, with all the new pieces, as we'll be talking about later in the show, that they have on defense. You cannot afford to lose this football game at home. And when you look at the schedules for these teams now – the 49ers have a bye coming up, and they're going to be really happy about that in a couple of weeks. But they've got two tougher games. The Vikings without Justin Jefferson, that's going to make it difficult. It's been a rough year for the Vikings. But the Vikings still are a team that can play with anybody when they are rolling. And then they play the Bengals that the Seahawks just played at home. And the Bengals can certainly beat the 49ers. So there's a couple games that could be tough for the 49ers here. The Seahawks have the Cardinals and then those same Browns who just showed they can beat anybody and at Baltimore. So you've got a couple really rough games coming up after this week. And you look at the rest of the schedule of these other teams, the Rams, they've got the Cowboys and Packers. The Steelers lead the NFC North right now. They're playing them this upcoming weekend. So it feels like this entire division, the schedule is going to get tougher here these next three games. So if you're the Seahawks, you absolutely have got to have this game against a team that's coming in at one and five that's got a bunch of injuries and, quite frankly, just doesn't have the talent across the board that your football team does. No, exactly. 
And that, that's the thing is they, they don't have the talent. And as you just pointed out with the schedules, I mean, the Seattle schedule is going to uh, just get more difficult as the season goes on. Um, I listened to one person, uh, you know, kind of argue that the Seahawks are entering a weaker slate of their schedule. Sure, weak in comparison to when they're going to be going up against the 49ers and, uh, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, or excuse me, the Dallas Cowboys. And they, they got some, a, a tough gauntlet going on the road to Pittsburgh. There, there's some tough games coming up. But uh, even though it's a home game, even though it's the game that they're going to be, uh, you know, encouraged to wear the, the true old school blue jerseys against the Cleveland Browns, as you said, the Cleveland Browns just proved this last week against the 49ers uh, that they can beat anybody. And that defense is absolutely ferocious. And they're a good football team on the offensive side of the ball as well, whether it be Deshaun Watson starting at quarterback or just about anybody else. Again, they will pound the rock down your throat. And so that's something that's going to be a significant challenge for the Seahawks. And then again, going back on the road all the way true East Coast, the Baltimore Ravens, you know, Lamar Jackson is a unique talent to try and have to go up against as well. So again, I think that, uh, as we just said, the, the Arizona Cardinals, this game is a must win in a lot of different ways. It's a game that you should win. It's a game that all of those fans out there were feeling pretty good, even with that, the moral victory that it was, I suppose, if you want to make that argument against the Cincinnati Bengals in a loss, you're not going to be feeling very good at all. If somehow the Arizona Cardinals managed to walk into Lumen Field and escape with a victory. Yeah, as I've said, it's happened way too many times the last seven, eight years where the Cardinals have come in. It hasn't mattered who the coach is. It hasn't mattered who the quarterback is. The Seahawks just always have issues with the Cardinals, and this team has been feisty the first six weeks, even though they only won one of those games. So you can't overlook this team. You need to bring your A game every week in the NFL is difficult. But at the same time, you look at the talent, you're at home. You just had this tough loss to Cincinnati. You need to – go out and figure out what can we do to try to move past that and get rolling again. This game, to me, is an incredibly important one for the Seahawks, not just in the NFC West race, but just in the playoff race in general. Going back to 503-3, that would make you feel pretty bad going into that retro game coming up with their throwbacks against the Cleveland Browns. Coming up next, it's Matchup Wednesday. We're going to look at the Seahawks on the offensive side of the football going up against a Cardinals defense that has a lot of different pieces in place compared to when these two teams met this time last year. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This episode is brought your way by our partners at eBay Motors. They have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Every week, we're going to provide players that are a guaranteed fit on your roster. Heading into week seven, let's see who Vinny has picked for us in this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Drake London is starting to show why the Falcons drafted him in the first among many talented wide receivers in the 2022 draft and why he was a hot sleeper in 2023 fantasy drafts. London has found his groove in the offense with Desmond Ritter. In the last two weeks, he's caught 15 of his 21 targets for 203 yards. He draws another good spot in week seven against the Buccaneers, who have struggled to contain number one receivers. London is guaranteed to keep bringing the pleasing production with great matchups ahead against the Titans, Vikings, and Cardinals before a week 11 bye. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, 
roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're going to be burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Coming up tomorrow, one of my favorite crossovers of the entire year. We do it twice because the Cardinals are a division rival. But Alex Clancy, one of the funniest hosts that we have on the entire network. I'm looking forward to teaming up with him to discuss this new look rebuilding Cardinal squad heading into Sunday's first matchup between these NFC West rivals. You won't want to miss it. Let's get to the matchups, our favorite episode of the entire weekend. I really love games like this, Rob, where you're playing an opponent that has a lot of differences, which we talked about what's new with the Cardinals. There are a lot of guys we didn't mention that were added in free agency who aren't big names, who were signed to one-year deals. A lot of the type of contracts you see from teams that are going into a rebuild, guys that probably aren't long-term answers. The Cardinals have a lot of players like that on both sides of the football and defense notwithstanding. There are some names that we know because they were on the Cardinals the last few years, but they were special teams guys, and now they are playing significant roles on defense for this football team. I think we've got to start when we're looking at these matchups. We could talk about Seahawk receivers every single week because of the talent they have at that position, but good luck naming Arizona's corners. I mean, they lost Byron Murphy to the Minnesota Vikings. They let several other players go. This is a completely rebuilt secondary that is missing Buda Baker at the safety position. Maybe he miraculously plays this weekend, but as I said earlier, I don't think it's going to happen. But away from Marco Wilson, who is in his third year, has been a starter for a couple of years in Arizona. He's now their number one. This is a team that has a lot of no names at the cornerback position. Antonio Hamilton, the other spot, they have had major issues giving up big plays. Jamar Chase had that phenomenal performance a couple of weeks ago against him with three touchdowns. And a lot of it just has to do with the fact this is an inexperienced secondary that doesn't have any guys that have started many games, quite frankly. No, that's very true. Uh, I think that for a long time there, when you thought about the Arizona Cardinals, you thought about the, uh, you know, the possible future Hall of Famer, Patrick Peterson, who of course has been um, playing elsewhere for the last couple of years. You mentioned Buda Baker, former University of Washington star, Jalen Thompson, former Washington State star. Both of them have been dealing with injuries. Buda has been out uh, basically all season long. Um, Jalen Thompson missed this past week. Um, he is not uh, likely to be suiting up in this game as well. So the, the starter at this point would be a second-round pick, Marco, Marco Wilson from Florida, who's a, a productive player. Um, those of you who are watching on YouTube can see his production, 34 tackles, three passes broken up so far. He actually leads uh, the Cardinals defensive backs in those categories. Um, and then you also have – uh, Keetra Clark, the rookie that they selected this year out of Louisville. He, he's a talented guy. He is a quick cover corner type of a guy, 5'10", 180 pounds though. So he doesn't have the size, the physicality to really that you're looking for to kind of match up with a guy, like I say, a DK Metcalf or even a Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I don't know that anybody has the quickness really to run with Tyler Lockett. So uh, to me, that's, that's the two guys that are interesting. You mentioned Antonio Hamilton, the veteran of the bunch, um, but he is a guy that, well, 
he's been, I think this is his seventh, eighth year in the NFL. He's kind of the definition of a journeyman bouncing around here and there. I believe he only has, uh, you know, three or four interceptions over all of those seven, eight seasons in the NFL. So this does feel like a secondary quarterback and that the Seahawks wide receivers, Geno Smith, should be able to uh, take full advantage of. I certainly expect them to be more productive than they were a week ago against Cincinnati. Yeah, and as you mentioned, not having Thompson either likely in this game. I mean, they're going to be without their starting safeties that they were supposed to have at the beginning of the season, who were two of the few holdovers that were left on this football team and on the defensive side of the football. I mean, they traded away Isaiah Simmons, too, at linebacker. I mean, they have moved on from so many players, and yet they've been able to hang tough. But that has been an area, especially the last few weeks, the Rams in the second half were able to really carve up that secondary, too. So the Seahawks should, on paper, be able to have similar success with all the talent they have there. As we know, games are not decided on paper, though, so they got to make sure they go out and get it done. Now, as far as an area of concern for the Seahawks on offense, we got to go where the biggest concern was last week in Cincinnati, and that is the right tackle position. And Arizona has not necessarily been a dominant pass rushing team this year, but they have changed some things up. And, and I wondered if they were going to do this anyway, because when Zayvon Collins was coming out of Tulsa and he was an off ball linebacker, I looked at him at 6'4, 260. That guy's an edge rusher, in my opinion. And Arizona, that's what they've done. They've made him a defensive end in this defense for Jonathan Gannon. And he's got two and a half sacks. He's been very active. So it seems like that position is working well for him. And you got to wonder going into this game, even though this isn't a team that's got a ton of depth, you have to think that they're going to be game planning whoever's at right tackle. It's not going to be Abraham Lucas, but if it's Jake Curran, he's got an ankle injury. He has struggled the last several games. If it's Jason Peters, he's got a quad issue. He's 41 years old. It's going to be his first NFL game of the entire, the entire year. And then you also have Stone Forsyth, who has started one game at right tackle in his career. He's normally on the left side. So whoever is going to be playing that position, you have to think that they're going to be wanting to take advantage of that, see if they can do what the Bengals did. They don't have the talent Cincinnati does up front, but can they find a way to get after Geno Smith some and maybe force him into some of those bad decisions that we haven't seen very much that cropped up in that last game? Yeah, I 100% agree that this is kind of the kryptonite area here that the Seahawks have to kind of address. Um, you know, I wonder if it's going to be Jay Curhan uh, back at that right tackle position, if he is able to, um, to just withstand the pain of the ankle injury that he uh, he fought back through um, and played uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals, but obviously struggled at times, as we mentioned in the first court, first segment there. Um, Jason Peters may not be available in this game since he has a quad injury uh, that has popped up for him. So it's likely going to be either Jay Curhan or Stone Forsyth, who does not have a lot of experience at the right tackle position. I mean, he is a massive, massive man at 6'7", 320 pounds, but still he is a guy who is a little bit more finesse than physical at the point of attack. And I think that he might be a liability at that right tackle position. He certainly is not going to be able to provide the consistent oomph in the running game that Jake Curhan can provide you. And that is something I think the Seahawks are going to try to focus in on in his running the football here. Um, when you look at the Arizona cards, you mentioned Zayvon Collins, former first round pick. I mean, absolutely phenomenal talent, um, to not, a phenomenal athlete at 6'4", 265 pounds. It's a couple of other guys that uh, are currently leading the Cardinals in terms of pass rushing. They're, they have uh, Dennis Gardick, who leads the team with both uh, uh, in tackles for loss as well as sacks. Um, and then Victor Dumacuid. 
Dimu Keiji, um, who has six tackles for loss himself. Um, three sacks himself. So these are speed rushing type of guys that Stone Forsythe, at least in paper, might be able to handle because he is more used to playing that left tackle position where traditionally you've gone against the speed rushers. But Jay Curran can hold up, I think, reasonably well um, in that regard. And again, I think that he gives you a little bit more pop at the point of attack. And so that's the way I think that the Seahawks should go if Curran is healthy. That, of course, remains to be seen. But either way, I think that, that whoever Seattle has the right tackle is going to be critical that they do a better job of protecting Geno Smith than they did against the Bengals last week. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you there. From a run game standpoint, you're hoping that Curran is helping. And this is a defense that you can run the football on. They're not one of the worst in the league, but this is a defense that you can run the football on. And They don't have J.J. Watt. They don't have Allen anymore who – left to go in free agency to the Broncos. I mean, they lost a lot of players on that front line, but they've got some beef in the interior. But I look at this team and Kaiser White, who was probably the biggest name free agent addition that the Cardinals had this offseason, in part because he played for Jonathan Gannon in Philadelphia, and he was on that team that made the Super Bowl last year. He's an athletic linebacker that looks more like a safety, and he's having a good year. You look at the numbers, 55 tackles, two sacks, an interception. He's been a bright spot for this Cardinals team, but I still look at Seattle, the talent they have, if they can get their offensive line completely, get all their ducks in a row with Damian Lewis back this week, that they should be able to win at the line of scrimmage sub. And if you can get Ken Walker III and Zach Charbonnet, I can be key, I'm going to keep pitching, get Zach Charbonnet a little bit more action in the backfield with his punishing running style. Kaiser White is a smaller linebacker that I feel like you can wear down if you're able to get that run game going early. And as athletic as he is, he has had times in his career where he's also been a little bit assignment, uh, uh, blown assignment prone in coverage, a little over aggressive with his reads. So you could take advantage of him in coverage as well. So I look at this as another game where if the Seahawks can get that run game going early, don't do what you did last week, where I think they had a 22 play span near the end of the game where they ran the ball three times total and it was a one score game, you got to find ways to continue utilizing that run game this week against Arizona. I 100% agree with you, especially the fact that you are at home. Um, I think that you have to establish the run early on in this football game and take advantage of um, the fact that the Cardinals do lack size. They do lack a lot of consistency. We talked about the safety um, turnover that they have due to the injuries to arguably their two biggest stars on the defensive side of the ball and Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. So take advantage of that fact and not only just running the ball, but getting the running backs involved in the passing game as well. We have seen Ken Walker III become much, much improved as a receiver out of the backfield. The one-handed grab that he had uh, just this past weekend against Cincinnati, I think was a demonstration of that. Zach Charbonnet and his pass protection. I think that you have to get Seattle's running backs involved. And then as you were describing with Kaiser White, I mean, he's 6'2", 230 pounds, Corey, but when he was playing back in his college days at West Virginia, he was used as a rover safety type of a role as well as linebacker previously with the L.A. Chargers before he went to the Philadelphia Eagles and now Arizona. So, again, another journeyman here who does have lateral agility, does have speed, but at the same time you can hit him in the mouth a little bit and be able to push him back. That should be something that Seattle does to kind of reestablish the line of scrimmage, take a little bit of the pressure off of whoever, again, is at that right tackle position in pass protection, and uh, take some of the pressure off of Geno Smith as well. 
Up next, we're going to switch things over to the defensive side of the football for the Seahawks going up against a Cardinals team that, like on defense, has a lot of new faces, but there are some familiar ones as well that the Seahawks will have to deal with. We'll get to those matchups coming up next year on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be full of twists and turns and throw a few wrenches at you when you least expect it, so it's important to show yourself through it all and put a focus on your mental health. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me when I was battling depression earlier in my professional career, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapies done securely online, available to people worldwide. With therapy, can take a few tries to find the right fit for you, and BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. BetterHelp has a special offer for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12 out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Time to continue our Wednesday matchups that we're going to be breaking down, going to the defensive side of the football for the Seahawks. And Seattle's defense is playing much better the last couple of games. We talked about it yesterday on the show, giving up 10 points per game the last two weeks, under 160 passing yards per game in the last two games as well. They've racked up a bunch of sacks, 14 to be exact. This is a Cardinals team that is not a potent, explosive offense necessarily, but Joshua Dobbs has been efficient with his opportunities. They've been able to run the football some. I think they've been much better than advertised without Kyler Murray this year. So looking at matchups going into this game, Rob, for the Seahawks on defense, who stands out as the first set of players or what position stands out as one that may be a little bit of a concern for the Seahawks going into this one? Well, even though Josh Dobbs doesn't have much experience as a starting quarterback in the NFL, quarterback, I just remember watching him at the University of Tennessee, and I saw big-time talent with him. Um, he is a guy that is going to take the open wide receiver. He, is, he has plenty of arm strength. He's the accurate quarterback. And so the fact that the Cardinals have as dynamic of wide receivers as they do, I know there's not a lot of big names out there, but there is an awful lot of talent at the wide receiver position for the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm always going to be worried about a wide receiver who can run like Marquise Hollywood Brown can run. And again, those of you who are watching on YouTube, you can see his numbers, 29 catches, 334 yards and three touchdowns. He's leading the Cardinals in all three of those categories. And then possibly lining up against him at times is going to be Seattle's big play, Trey Brown. Um, so a Brown on Brown kind of a competition here could be an interesting one. I really think that the Seahawks are going to have to match up against Marquise Brown and perhaps even have a safety over the top because that's going to be the one thing that the Arizona Cardinals are going to try to do is they're going to try and create some big play opportunities to keep themselves in this football game because, again, the Seahawks should be able to move the ball 
on Arizona. But it's not just Marquise Brown. The slot receiver, Rondell Moore, is absolutely fantastic talent. I mean, he has a stop-start quickness that really can make him a very difficult wide receiver to cover. Of course, uh, you know, Devin Witherspoon has got to be feeling an awful lot of confidence right now after what he did against uh, Jamar Chase a week ago. But you're talking about two very, very different players. And then while I fuddled his name a couple of different times in yesterday's show, which is especially embarrassing to me because I really like Michael Wilson from Stanford on tape, loved what he did at the Senior Bowl. You know, this is a 6'3", 215-pounder. I mean, this is a traditional uh, split-end type of a receiver who could give teams troubles as well. So I'm just fascinated by this matchup from the Cardinals because, again, you have an inexperienced quarterback in Joshua Dobbs, but does have some talent to him. And then, again, you have a speedy receiver in Brown. You've got a very shifty wide receiver in Moore. And then a big physical quality route runner um, in Michael Wilson as well. The player in Wilson that I had is a top 10 receiver in this last draft class. So, again, I know that there's not a lot of big names out there, but I think it's somebody that the wide receiver position, the Seahawks, had better be paying attention to this group. Yeah, this is the one position, even with DeAndre Hopkins now being in Tennessee, even with his departure, you've still got some star power there with Hollywood Brown. And Rondale Moore has star talent, hasn't necessarily turned it into numbers, but he's had some big games against the Seahawks in the past. And Michael Wilson's been the one recently that's been having productive games as a rookie. And he and Joshua Dobbs seem to have pretty good chemistry. So this is going to be a little bit of a test for that for that secondary, for the corners, the safeties, the Seahawks, dealing with the receivers there. They have been better throwing the football than I think many anticipated they would be with Joshua Dobbs playing quarterback instead of Kyler Murray. Now, as far as an area that I feel like the Seahawks can really take advantage of, and I still like their corners against Arizona's receivers. I like Seattle's corners against anybody because I think they have as much talent in that position as any team in the league. They're still trying to put everything together and really make that a finely tuned machine. Arizona is just trying to figure out, is there any way we can stop interior pressure? Because they have been putrid at the guard and center positions, giving up pressures and sacks this year. Elijah Wilkinson, kind of a journeyman the last couple of years, played for the Bears. He is a guy that has started all six games for Arizona. He's given up 18 pressures, three sacks already. He's been penalized five times. They've had issues at center and the other guard spot as well. This is an interior offensive line that is ripe to be capitalized on. And you look at the numbers that Jaron Reed's put up. He's already got seven quarterback hits. He's got three sacks, 19 tackles, three tackles for a loss. We're seeing Draymond Jones put everything together. He had a second sack last week, a tackle for the loss in the run game. He's been very active. We've talked at nauseum about Mario Edwards and what he is accomplishing for this defensive line. This feels like another game that the Seahawks interior can really eat up against the Cardinals, especially without James Conner being in the backfield. He's on injured reserve. This feels like a game that they can absolutely dominate the interior. And if they are collapsing that pocket down on Joshua Dobbs, he's not going to be able to be as efficient as what he has been for much of the season. So I look at that being a matchup where the Seahawks truly have maybe their greatest advantage going up against this Arizona offense. 
Yeah, 100% agree with you. This is a, an area that the Seahawks should be able to exploit and perhaps uh, just completely mitigate um, Arizona's talent that they have at the wide receiver position and at the tight end position, frankly, um, just because of the fact that, again, you have a very inexperienced quarterback in Joshua Dobbs. One of the things that he likes to do is keep his eyes downfield and then step up into the pocket and be able to kind of layer throws, especially in the deep intermediate levels. Um, but if, say, Jaron Reed um, or if, uh, you know, Draymond Jones are able to kind of collapse from the interior, as I think that they might be able to do, then I do, I do think that this could be a game that the Seahawks might be able to kind of take control of. You mentioned Elijah Wilkinson. I mean, this is a guy who is, you know, if you put the the, uh, the graphic that you had up just a moment ago, Corb, I can kind of illustrate one of the, the questions that people have about Elijah Wilkinson. He's 6'6", he's 320 pounds. And if those of you watching on YouTube can kind of see the way he's basically standing up at the line of scrimmage, that's one of the knocks on him. He's built more like an offensive tackle. And so if he tries to block Jay Reed um, like that, then I think that you are going to see Joshua Dobbs basically get wrapped up the way that Jaron Reed has Joe Burrow wrapped up in that particular graphic. And so, again, to me, that is one of the real concerns for the Arizona Cardinals. I actually like their center, Yelda Froholt, and he's got an interesting first name. It's spelled H-J-A-L-T-E. It's actually pronounced Yelda. Um, this is a kid from Denmark who played his college ball at Arkansas. He's a pretty solid football player, but still, I don't know that he is an upper-level center good enough to, to help out as much as Wilkinson might need. Will Hernandez, the right guard position, he's kind of more of what you kind of expect a guard to be. He's 6'2", 320 pounds. If the Cardinals are able to stay in this game, they're going to try and run right behind Will Hernandez. He is one of the better run blockers. I don't care what some of the analytics websites say. Just watch the tape. This is a guy who can absolutely move people at the point of attack. So just like we talked about how the Cardinals – Wide receivers are kind of a sneaky test for the Seahawks defensive backs. I know that Seattle's run defense has been spectacular so far this season. If the Cardinals can stay in this game, they're going to try and run right behind Bill Will Big Will Hernandez. That's going to be a sneaky test for the Seahawks interior run defenders as well. Yeah, I think if the run game gets going, that the Cardinals do have Hernandez over there that can really get that line of scrimmage push. And even Wilkinson, if he's playing with good leverage, is capable of doing that. But from a pass protection standpoint, all three of these guys have struggled this year, giving up pressures and sacks. And that's been one of the things that's been an undoing for the Cardinals when they've been competitive in every game is they just haven't been able to protect their quarterback well enough. So it looks to me like a match of the Seahawks can absolutely exploit. As far as the one that I'm looking at as a draw that could potentially lead either way, I'm always excited when the Seahawks are going up against a top tight end because that's why you traded for Jamal Adams before the 2020 season. You wanted to have him going up against George Kittle. That was before Zach Ertz and Trey McBride came to Arizona. And this is a position group, Rob, that I think is one of the few strengths where you clearly have obvious talent for the Arizona Cardinals receiver. You can say that, and you can also say that at the tight end position. Zach Ertz is a borderline Hall of Fame caliber player. He's had a fantastic career in Philadelphia and Arizona. Hasn't had quite the numbers this year, but he always seems to bring it against the Seahawks. Has had some big games against them in a Cardinals uniform as well. And Trey McBride, he was a top draft pick a couple of years ago and couldn't get on the field much as a rookie because his blocking wasn't good enough. He has improved leaps and bounds in that regard, but his game is still predicated on doing damage in the passing game, a very athletic tight end. So we know the Seahawks historically, they've had their issues 
with defending the tight end position this year, knock on wood, they've been significantly better than what they have been in the past. And I think some of that is Julian Love and getting Jamal Adams back. And now you can play Quandre Diggs some at different positions. He can handle tight ends as well. So their personnel fits well against this position. It's still at the same time. It's Zach Ertz, and he has had a lot of good games against this football team over the years, whether in Philadelphia or Arizona. So this might be that matchup that really turns the tide, so to speak, for either team when the Cardinals are on offense. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, and the, one of the things I like about the Cardinals is that they're tight ends. And you mentioned both of the ones that I, I'm most concerned about in Zach Ertz and then in Trey McBride. They're, they're just built so much differently than Seattle's tight ends. I mean, you think about Kobe Parkinson, 6'7", you know, and Noah Fant, 6'5", and can fly. And then, of course, Will Disley, who is not only a good pass uh, catcher, he's also a very good blocker. You know, with McBride and with Zach Ertz, they're both in that 6'3", 245, 250-pound range. Neither of them has, you know, that, that massive size, the elite straight line speed, but they're very, very quick. They're very good route runners. They catch everything in the friggin' zip code. They really do a great job. Um, you know, as you said, I mean, Zach Ertz might someday be in the Hall of Fame. Trey McBride at Colorado State won the Mackey Award as the nation's best tight end. You don't often see players at Colorado State winning national awards like that. These are two quality football players. So, again, the Arizona Cardinals in a sneaky several different positions, they are a sneaky, uh, you know, competitive uh, group that the Seahawks have to take seriously. If they just walk in and think that they're going to beat the Cardinals because they're one in five and they got Joshua Dobbs, the quarterback, and don't have James Conner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, there's going to be all kinds of excuses out there. Then uh, the Cardinals are a team that could bite you in the butt a little bit. So the Seahawks had better be focused. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be joined by the great Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals as we continue to dive into this upcoming first matchup between the Seahawks and the Cardinals at Lumen Field. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and thanks for listening. Go Hawks!